G'day everyone and welcome to another edition, the final round edition of the Weekend Wrap. Uh, not a very happy way to finish off the season for the Crows, but lots to talk about nonetheless. So without any further ado, let's get straight into it, shall we? Good evening, everyone, and welcome to, <clears throat> pardon me, the Round 23 Croaky edition of the Weekend Wrap brought to you by Crowcast, of course. And it wouldn't be a Crowcast unless we had our inimitable partner in crime here, Macca. How are you going, Mac? I'm solid criminal, mate. <laughs> no, please be here. Very good, very good. Um, an interesting end to season 2022, mine around at least, with some uh, hilarious results towards the death. <laughs> Carlton. <laughs> Fantastic. Oh, yeah. That's worthy of talking about, really, because, um, I mean, they only needed one point thing. And I know. At, they, they shut up shop at the, about seven minutes to go, which was far too early. And then, yep. even then, when they were going down down the chute, the um, the uh, full forward uh, Kerno, he's got uh, little Corey Durden sitting all on his own on the fifty metre mark, and he bombs it to the forward line, and it comes flying back the other way for a goal. And then Corey Durden, when he gets a chance, instead of bombing it to the square so they could lock it through for a point, which is all they needed, he kicks it to the forward pocket where they didn't have a player. So, uh, that yeah, they choke and. I actually felt sorry for the Carlton supporters until I thought of a certain man who always rubbishes the crows, and you know who I mean. Sam McClure. Well, just before we get straight into it, Mac, because, you know, you jump the gun as you always do, um, it seems like on YouTube there's no sound, so let me just sort that out real quick. Okay. Um, I don't know why that would be the case. Uh, let me have a quick look. Just while you're doing that, Bean, I'll yeah. to say to people out there, I was bloody delighted when I said I felt sorry for the people and I thought, Sam McClure, you bloody beauty. <laughs> How's that for people? Any better? How about Can that you hear for out there? Is that any better? Well, Seed's girl, can you hear it in YouTube? We're trying to fix it, Seed's girl, so just relax. No, obviously not. You're not hearing us on YouTube? Uh, that's interesting. Do I'll tell you what. Mac, you'd think after all this time. Uh, 
All my meters, oh no, my meters aren't going here, so let's have a look. Dun, 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 dun. Oh, well, that would be why, Macca, because I'm an idiot, basically. Look, I'm not my not my uh, position to argue with you, Fiend. No, it's not. How's that, that guys? guys? You can, can hear, hear me, me now? now? Echoing. Echoing. Yeah, I know. I'm going to fix that. How are we going? We, I think we're going good now. People on YouTube, can you hear us now? Done. They're happy. They're happy. The masses Very are happy. Good. Well, you know, as long as the masses are happy. Very good. Yeah. All right. <laughs> G'day, Mac. How are you going? Very good, Fiend. Lovely to be here today. Lovely to be here. We've got lots to talk about apart from the Crows. Uh, disappointing end of the season. And, of course, uh, we just spent five minutes bagging Carlton, so we'll have to do that again, mate. <laughs> I'm happy to do uh, that. Yeah. But uh, look, thanks to everyone who's joined us on Discord and obviously on YouTube. Um, thanks also to those who've uh, supported us throughout the year on Patreon. Um, uh, lots to talk about tonight, but uh, we are limited tonight, Macca. We can't go over an hour, hour and a half. So, uh, right. for domestic we'll reasons. Domestic I reasons. Know. <laughs> are you under orders? I know that. Well, I'm not under orders. If I'd, I'd, I'd be done for child neglect. <laughs> we don't yeah, finish well, in time. Something like that. <laughs> all right. Um, okay. So, first of all, mate, uh, let's just get into your main uh, the the main reason why you're here. To be honest, because it's what everyone seems to value more than anything else. Uh, let me find it. <laughs> God, I'm just absolutely not with it today, honestly. We have those days, mate. There it, it is. We all have them. All right, let's go through the weekend results, shall we? Let's do it. Okay. That's not it. All right, let's just read through them because... Be stuff to find okay. Friday, um, Melbourne absolutely belted um, uh, Brisbane. It was a very insipid performance by the Bears, I thought. They don't deserve very. to be called the Lions because um, they uh, they played like the Bears of old, really, didn't they? Well, more like Koala Bears, really. Um, the, the, the Ds came out firing and they just kicked them out the way and 11 goals up at half time. Uh, second half was pretty even, but the damage is all done. Uh, Oliver and Petrarca were outstanding as usual. Pickett kicked four goals. Wouldn't you love to have him? And uh, Neil yeah. was best for Brisbane. That's uh, yeah. So what's the problem with Brisbane? Um, I think I think actually their midfield has, has aged during this season. Uh, Zorko's a shadow of his former self. I think they're a midfielder short. And uh, they've gone all in on Buddy, obviously. Um, I, don't reckon, I don't reckon they have enough midfield power, to be honest with you. You're on the money. You're on the money because they got slaughtered in the midfield, and you're quite right because 
you know, they had, they had when their mid- midfielders included blokes like Robinson, who's on his last legs, and uh, Lockie Newley, you lock him down, and then and the other blokes aren't quite up to it. So you're on the money there, Fane. Yep, so they've got a bit of thinking to do, and uh, the other thing they've got to think about is whether uh, Chris Fagan is going to take him to the promised land. He's uh, certainly done well in getting them to be consistently competitive, uh, but can they actually take the extra strip with him? Is he tactically sufficient for them? I'm not quite sure, mate. I think, well, look, I think they, they are done for the year. I don't think they'll do anything in the finals whatsoever, and... I think you hit it right on the head. Uh, Fagan was very good for them at the time he came in. Now they need somebody just a little bit better and a little bit smarter. That's my opinion. And it reminds you a little bit about our coach, maybe. Anyway, let's move on. Um, Fremantle getting the job done over the Giants, 13-11-89 to 10-9-69. Frio ending up um, just missing out on the top four, but uh, heading into the finals with some good form. Yep, the G- GWS jumped them early, got 31 points up early in the second quarter. But after that, the Dockers just ground them down gradually to lead at three-quarter time and then uh, kicked off a late challenge to go on and win by 20 points. You know, GWS, not a bad effort by them, but they just weren't up to the class. Uh, they haven't, But they've, got, they've really found a player this year, Taylor at fullback. I think he's outstanding. And uh, mm. for Frio, um, interesting, we talk about drafting and trading, uh, Fiend. Sarong and Brody were the two best for Frio. Yes, and uh, wasn't that a sliding doors moment <laughs> for us? Yep, and, yep, and uh, Fife, for example. I just want to say something about Fife. I, I think he's done. He doesn't look like a shadow of a player. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see how he comes back after a rest. Um, I reckon he carries a fair bit in terms of injuries. Uh, I don't know how well he's come back. That, that, like, it's not easy to come back from a broken leg. No, not too easy. I think actually at the moment, I think they go better when he doesn't play. Mm, interesting to see how they use him going forward. Um, the Suns finishing off the year well, 16-18, 1-1-4 to North Melbourne, who probably couldn't have given a ship after getting Al Clarkson during the week, um, 6-11-47. Um, so, yeah. Thumbed up well there. Um, nothing to say. Uh, Jason Horn France has got 20 positions. Um, I think the uh, signing of Clarks is going to make it a little bit harder perhaps to get him out, out of that club. We'll wait and see. That's another year. That's another year and another discussion. Um, we had a Geelong uh, polaxing uh, West Coast Eagles. The Eagles would be happy for the season to be over. Geelong playing in front of their adoring crowd with Danger hitting his 300. Didn't that sneak up quickly? Danger's 300. I think he's in the top 10 quickest uh, players to 300 games uh, of all time, actually. Uh, Geelong, 19-17-131, Eagles, 7-4-46. Well, I'll be totally honest. I started watching this game and I went outside and pulled some weeds out instead. <laughs> it was so bloody boring. And that's fact. And um, the only thing I did, I came back in time just to see... Uh, Dangerfield charging through a pack and taking out his own teammate Guthrie and injuring his shoulder and sending him off the ground. But, um, yeah. no, nah, it, was, it was a boring match for you if you were just a non-interested oh, yeah. party. Yeah, no, nothing at all, uh, really. Um, we had uh, the Rabble going down to Richmond. Richmond finishing the minor round strong and hitting the finals with some decent form. Might be a bit disruptive in the first round of the finals, I think, Richmond. 21-15, 141 to 
Essendon 11-9-79. Truck Ruttons last match. Uh, Bombers are a rabble. Um, they're rife with politics in there. They're doing an external review. Uh, I think Sheedy's been a disruptor on that board. Uh, they got a lot of work to do, Essendon. Yeah, I didn't see the game because it coincided with ours. 85 points. There's not much to say. I think you summed it up nicely, Fiend. Yep. Uh, feel sorry for Truck. He'll probably get a, a senior assistant gig or an assistant gig next year, and I hope things work out for him. Uh, ironically, I hope Al Clarkson's in the market for, for a defensive line coach because uh, it'll be fantastic to see Truck down at North next year. Yeah, look, I thought he... he uh, Essendon have gone badly, but the way they, that they've handled the situation, the, uh, Essendon, uh, the... Sorry, the North Melbourne... Bo- uh, sorry, Essendon, the Essendon board. Uh, this new chairman, he's got no idea uh, how to uh-huh. handle situations. It's, it's, it'd probably be the worst managed situation I've seen. Doesn't, doesn't he sound like the most uninspiring character you've ever seen? He fumbles over his words and he can't answer questions directly. And I don't know. I, I don't know. I reckon the coterie down at Essendon and a couple of board members are running that show at the moment. No doubt about that. Look, he look. He, to me, he just sounded like he'd be lucky to uh, pass grade seven. I reckon. Yeah, and look. It's not as if Alistair Clarkson being on the market was a secret this year. So for them to get all the way to round 22 before even approaching him directly is ridiculous. And they clearly didn't think much of uh, his integrity to think that that he would undo weeks and weeks and weeks of negotiations with North Melbourne uh, just to come over to Essendon at the death and, you know... Port were calling us arrogant and entitled during the week, but I reckon they should have been talking about Essendon because that's the uh, that's the epitome of arrogance and entitlement, if you ask me. Yep. You're on fire tonight, Fiend. You're summing up beautifully. Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. I can't run a bloody stream that I've been doing for five years. But anyway, um, the Bulldogs getting the job done that they needed to do, 12-15-87, only their second win against Hawthorne, I think, in Tasmania. 10-4-64. The Hawks didn't look too bad in patches. The Bulldogs didn't look overly inspiring. Uh, are they the... Are the, the Bulldogs have got a good side. They just seem to be underperforming at the moment, Mac. Yes, yeah. Uh, there are, they, they do have deficiencies in certain spots on the ground. They've got massive strengths in certain spots and uh, deficiencies, particularly in defence. Um, and in their attack, only in defence. Well, not only I think they're a bit light on in, up in the forward lines as well. They they've got so it's, many mids. They got, they got more mids than any other team, and uh, they they play them on the wing. They play them on the half forward flanks, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. But they're not really a really what I would call a balanced team, and uh, they're not going to win no flag. I mean, they I watched the game today, and I thought that you know Hawthorne were right in that game until possibly into the last quarter. Um, They've got into the... But that's about where they'll finish. I mean, I agree with you with their back line, but their forward line, particularly with Josh Bruce back, and I know he's underdone and everything, but Norton, Bruce, and that young lad, what's his name? Darcy, I think. They've got three pretty good tools there. Yeah, unfortunately... So what are they lacking? Up forward. Well, well, certainly I think their coach is half insane, I think. Uh, (laughs) He... I think he's one of the problems. I really do think they probably need a new voice as well. Look, it's possible. 
It's possible. Um, I just feel like they underperform for the squad that they have. Anyway, um, and then uh, the match of the round. Oh, my God, Mac. How did Carlton lose that? How did they lose that? That has got to be not only this match, but this last three or four games of the season. How have they missed the eight? I think they're the first team or they're the first team ever to spend the entire season in the eight and miss out on finals. That's actually true, actually. Um, that, that's, a, that's a fact. Uh, look, they worked very hard to lose the game from the seven minute, with about seven and a half minutes to go. And then uh, Carlingwood needed three goals to catch them, and they can't were playing good enough to win the game. All of a sudden, I don't know whether it's a coach's decision or whether it's a player's on the ground decision, they shut up shop, and uh, their attacking wasn't in the same uh damaging manner as it was before. Um, and then there was two particular incidents which lost the game, in my opinion. I mean, bear in mind, they needed one point in the last couple of minutes to... Yeah, level, Durden uh, made a big blue. Durden made a big blue well, there. He should have just before, kicked it well, to the square. Before that, before that Kerno actually had Durden sitting on the 50-metre line mm. on his own, and he could have passed it over to him, and Durden could have run and had a mm. shot, and maybe got a goal or a point. And then, but then Burden compounded massively uh, by kicking it to a forward pocket where there was no player other than a, a Collingwood player. And then on top of that, um, the big boy, uh, Cripps, uh, trying to smash through three players uh, instead of just like a wild handball would have been, been much, much better than getting yeah, caught. Yeah, just send it forward. Right? Yeah. It, it, was yeah. Just, it was like they didn't realise that if they drew, they were in. You know, they kept, I don't, like, at, at that I don't point, think, all you need to do was kick a point. I don't think that it occurred to them. I honestly don't think it no, occurred to them. Because the way I they, agree. The way they're playing, they should be just bowling to the square with a fist to punch it through. Simple as that. Yeah, and say what you like about Jamie Elliott, but that was a clutch goal at the end, and he made it look simple. He had a bloke inside, um, Ginevan, he had another bloke in the square, but he took it upon himself, Um and uh, just never looked like missing. He slotted it coolly and calmly and uh, game over. That was uh, a very clutch goal. And, look, he's done it many times before. And as I said earlier, um, I was feeling sorry a little bit for the Carlton supporters, and then I realised that Sam Sam McClure is a passionate Carlton supporter. I thought, yes. Yep, Yep. absolutely. Sam McClure... Um, would be crying in his little cornflakes at the moment, and I don't have a scrap of sympathy. Uh, anyway, uh, and the last game of the round, which saw Sydney uh, get into the top four, uh, beating a gallant St Kilda by 14 points, 13-10-88 to 11-8-74. Didn't get to see it, but um, uh, I th- by then I'd had enough of footy. I watched the Carlton <laughs> Collingwood game, and by then I You'd thought, had enough well, of footy, Mac. That's not like you. No, no, but um, I had Whiting coming up for tea, so that, you know, I was looking forward no, to that. Fair enough, fair enough, fair enough. Yeah, and I thought, nah, I'll, I'll, I'll just go and have a little rest. I've had enough of it. But uh, fair enough. Yeah, but Sydney failed in there. Uh, Half time, they were just about on target, trying to if they kept on at that rate to get the second spot. But in the uh, second half, uh, unfortunately for them, St Kilda did rally and. Uh, it cost them any chance to get that second spot. Quick look at the ladder, see how we finished up. Geelong on top, obviously, with 72 points. Uh, Melbourne, I've got a feeling about Melbourne. 
Melbourne are playing like a team that only had one thing in mind, Mac, and that was finals all year, in my opinion. I reckon they're yeah. uh, they're a bit better than uh, two games uh, behind Geelong. It's interesting, isn't it? Because um, Melbourne have proven that their game plan will stand up in finals and will stand up yeah. in the grand final. And yeah. uh, and I I've been saying most of the year I didn't think Geelong can can win can't win the premiership. I still don't think they will. They have adjusted their style of play quite a bit actually. Um, yeah. From the how they were doing before that slow possession game, um, they've been trying to get it much quicker. But I still think that the uh, caliber of player just spread evenly across Melbourne is, is just a little bit better than most sides. Yeah, oh, they're still my pick. And I tell you what, the Swans are getting into the top four, um, and uh, someone put up a tweet I think before. And against the against the top eight sides, Sydney have the best record this season. Um, followed by Melbourne. So uh, look, look out. Sydney are capable of winning on their day. They really are. Yep, they certainly are. Uh, Collingwood uh, sneak into the top four uh, with probably the worst percentage, I reckon, in living memory for a top four side. Um, yep. Considering Carlton were 4% above them, I couldn't make it. Uh, Frio fifth, Brisbane sixth, uh, Richmond seventh, and the Bulldogs sneaking in, Carlton sneaking out. Um, and then St Kilda, Port, Gold Coast, Hawthorne, Adelaide with pick five, uh, uh, notwithstanding priority picks and whatnot. Essendon, GWS um, having a terrible season, West Coast and North Melbourne. So, Mac, um, we are considering we're not going to do a lot during the finals with the podcast, what's your feel for the finals? Um, well, I, I feel that, you know, there's quite a few sides here that can't win it. Um, the ones, uh, I know they've, they've improved the chances of the team down in the bottom uh, four of the top eight by having the week off, but I still think yeah. the quality is up in the top three. And, um, yeah, and I, I think, think that's, so. where the, that's where the flag will come from. The others are just there to make up the number. And uh, yeah. um, I look, it, it wouldn't. It wouldn't be a shock for any of those top three to win. We're saying we we like Melbourne, but you know if Geelong keep playing and manage to keep it up in finals and perform as well, they could win it. Um, and same with Sydney. But I, I really think that they have only three chances to win it. Well, let's have a look at the first week real quick. Um, we've got the Lions playing Richmond at the Gabba. Uh, on form, you would almost have Richmond as favourites there. Brisbane have really tailed off, um, and uh, that's going to be quite an interesting game. If Richmond can get their attacking flow going, I don't know whether Brisbane have got the midfield to stop them, to be honest. I agree with that. Uh, Melbourne and Sydney is going to be a classic if they both uh, bring their A games uh, at the MCG. Sydney aren't afraid of the MCG. Uh, Melbourne hitting the finals uh, with good form. Uh, you'd expect Melbourne to get up on that one, but as you say, Sydney capable of anything. Well, yeah, I'm expecting Melbourne to win, but would not be surprised if Sydney did, because at their best, they could beat anybody. Yeah. So that's on Friday night. The previous game's on the Thursday night. And then on the Saturday, a weird, weird um, fixturing, in my view. Uh, on the Saturday at four, we've got Geelong and Collingwood at the G. Um, 
obviously uh, Collingwood benefiting from being tenants of the G. Uh, Geelong would want to be a fair way in front <laughs> with about five minutes to go. Collingwood have made a habit of coming home with a wet sail. They have. They have. I, I still think though they should they should be too strong. But um though I say this for Collingwood, um McRae's really got them playing with a lot of heart. You know, mm. really a lot of heart. Ne- yeah. and never give up. So yeah. But yeah, I'm picking Geelong. And uh, Frio should get the job done in the late game uh, on Saturday evening against Western Bulldogs, you would think. Agree. So that was it um, for the round. Of course, what we're concerned about is um, the game between Port Adelaide and Adelaide. And, uh, you know, uh, 56 points in the end, Mac. Uh, Port 16-15-111 to Adelaide 7-13-55. After quarter time and particularly after half time, we didn't really give a yelp. Um, I felt we looked flat last week and got over the line. Um, We even struggled against West Coast the week before. I I feel like we were just staggering to the line and uh, Port far too strong. Well, I thought we were very, very poor in the second half, and I, I mean extremely poor in the second half. Our, the first quarter, I thought uh, we, we were playing that contested game that we play, and I thought we should have probably, I can't remember whether we did or did not lead at quarter time. I think we didn't. Um, uh, but, uh, no, it was pretty much even. We might have been down by a, a point, point or two. Or two. But I, I, yeah. Yeah, I just, I just want to make reference, and I think it was in the first quarter. Um, there, there was a shocking, shocking bloody incident. Bloody keys. I mean, that kick for goal, that kick for goal thing. Any under-10 player would have been embarrassed to do that kick. He's, he's six, well, he's five metres out from goal, and it's oh, looped off his foot. Oh, whatever it was. I mean, it just went at right angles to where he's supposed to be kicked two, three, four, a point, and none. He just made it to there. It was that was a kick of an under ten. That's the worst kick I've seen in AFL football, I reckon. That was shocking. Well, others reckon it's not. <laughs> he's done worse, but um, no. But coming back to the game, and second quarter, I thought we were we waned a little bit early in the second quarter, but then we sort of rallied at the end of the second quarter. But that mm. was it. We packed our kit bags and gone home. Second half was terrible. Yeah, look, um, a lot of a lot of people losing their mind over over this game. And all right, it was a showdown, and we don't like losing showdowns. And it was fifty six points in the end, which was a fair shellacking. Um, but to be honest with you, Mac, um, not a huge amount riding on it. Again, I, I reckon we've been flat for the last three weeks. I reckon. Um, We've run out of steam. Uh, a few players run out of steam. Um, and I'm not disappointed from the point of view that it doesn't let us go into the off-season with any rose-coloured glasses on whatsoever. I think that game gave us a very good snapshot of exactly where our list is at the moment, um, which I'm quite pleased about, irrespective of the result, uh, which was meaningless. Um so I'm not disappointed because the last thing I wanted was a big, you know, finish the game, finish the season off strong, beat Port Adelaide, you know, uh, everyone's pumping up the tyres and we maybe lose a bit of perspective on where this list is actually at. 
I think you make an extremely good point, Bean, and actually you are on fire tonight. Um, that yeah. that probably would have been a bad thing for us to go in with a win. We would have been thinking that we're on our way to a premiership just about, you know, would have got all carried away. I mean, not, not really to a premiership, but we were exposed. We were exposed for our weaknesses, and, and I think that's good because um, you can't improve unless you actually define what your weaknesses are, and... Port Adelaide did it for us. They defined it. And uh, they also defined which players don't stand up when the pressure is on as well. Yeah, it was quite evident. And uh, a, a re- like, I, I felt it was a really good snapshot um, of where we're at. But quickly uh, regarding selection, were you surprised that they brought in Miller instead of Gallant um, for McCannum? Yes, totally. Totally. Gallant should have been there. Um, and, and I think Miller's game is so poor. In my opinion, I think it's so poor that it just proved Gallant should have been there. Well, I don't think we were served at all by Miller's presence, and I don't think he. I have said it for weeks and weeks and weeks. I, I just don't think at AFL level, um, as it stands at the moment, he can play in front of the ball. Uh, simple as that. Um, and we certainly. Can't. One thing that Shane McAdam has really improved on this year is his defensive efforts up forward, and we absolutely stank defensively in our forward 50 um you know james Rowe hasn't got a defensive bone in his body when it comes to um um you know uh, attacks bouncing off of halfback and port adelaide after quarter time um when our uh, forward 50 entries started to fall off and we started picking out a lear again like we always do um we had no pressure at ground level. They were just able to bounce off that half line, half back line continually. There was absolutely no pressure whatsoever, and I think a lot of that again was down to our um, down to our selection. Well, I totally agree with you. I mean, Rowe was an absolute shocker. He had four possessions. I mean, uh, Davis came on for the last quarter and had five. But um, yeah, coming, coming back to Rowe, I remember the commentator saying at one stage, and this is actually a fact. He said. Rose everywhere. And I thought he must be in the bloody crowd because I can't see him getting the ball out there. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. he was he was a shocker. Yeah, so I was and a bit I, disappointed and, and with I, that. I, I think Sorry, Rose actually put his, he put his name forward in a must-get-rid-of uh, category. Well, uh, look, he's certainly slipped out of best 22, in my opinion. He doesn't kick any goals. He doesn't apply any defensive pressure. Um he seems to only be able to get the ball on the lead up high, um, and all right, he's not a bad user of the ball, and he's a good, he's got good footy IQ. But you need a bit more than that at AFL level, um, and I just he's not offering enough. Uh, he's either got to oh, get yeah. fitter, he's either got to get fitter, or they've got to redefine his role and get him playing closer to goals. Because as it stands at the moment, we did the same thing that we always do, Mac. We played McHenry and Murphy up high. Uh, we had Jones, uh, uh, sorry, uh, Rowe up high, uh, which left us top heavy um, at the fall of the ball with our forward fifty entries. Uh, we had no defensive effort whatsoever, and um, they were they were just able to run it off half back continually. And you've only got to look at the disparity, and we'll go through head to heads in a minute. But you've only got to look at the disparity in uncontested possessions to understand that every ball that we got was hard earned. And Port Adelaide were able to absolutely destroy us on the outside, just use the ball under, you know, relatively little pressure. 
Oh, look, the uncontested, uncontested positions were enormous. I don't know what they actually were, but they had massive uncontested positions. And basically, because yeah. they were prepared to work a lot harder than us too, Fiend. I mean, that's, if they got the ball, say, at 10 and a half back, they're, they're blokes streaming from defence up up along uh, towards the centre wing and they give them to them and, and which drew the, uh, the, our other player to go back to there, then over the top and so on and so on. Um, they just did it as at will and... They had a massive amount of uncontested possession, whereas we were just scratching and uh, very ordinary. Well, look, let's go through um, head-to-heads um, because I don't think enough has actually been made of this. Um, uh, just bear with me a second. Um, because the the stats are actually quite telling. Um, bring it up here from the AFL website. Um, so there was a there was 124... Disparity, Mac, in disposals. 401 Port Adelaide, 287 Adelaide. Uh, kicks, 237 to 166, which is 71 more kicks Port had. And 164 to 121 handballs, which is 43. Like, this is a massive disparity in disposals. Thrashing. Right? A thrashing. Inside 50, 61 to 48. You're never going to win a game giving up 61 inside 50s. Uh, disposal efficiency port went at 71. That's because they had it so much on the outside under very little pressure. We went at 63. Um, port, uh, 57% efficiency inside. 50 hours is only 37.5. Free kicks were even. Uh, Riley O'Brien. I thought Riley O'Brien's ruck work in the first quarter uh, and his general play in the first quarter um was quite good. In fact, I rated him probably in our top three at quarter time. Um, but then he just reverted to the same old, um, you know, tapping to convenient places. Um, you know, the port office uh, shifted their configuration in the middle of round and, and Riley was just tapping it where he always taps it. He's the easiest ruckman in the world to read. Um, yeah. You know, and, uh, you know, the, the spoiling... Uh, um, teammates hit with marks and all the rest of it so I, I was disappointed he started really well Riley I'll give him that but he fell away dramatically um, when they started to work him out The only thing I will say in his favour though Fiend, and I have been one of his greatest critics all year uh, because I, I'd hate to rove to him um, but I will say this he did try all game and not just in the yeah. ruck, around the ground yeah. around the ground as well and we had a lot of other players who I thought we were embarrassed by his efforts versus theirs. But let's not forget, who were Port's Ruckman? Yeah, Finlayson, yeah. Well, that's true. It's a very good point. Very good point. Right. He didn't have a Ruckman against him. It was Finlayson and Power Pepper and a bit of Dixon, although Dixon tended to go up against Stillthorpe uh, more often than not. But having, um, but having said that, I was still giving credit for kudos for his efforts. He did really put in uh, thing. Yep. Clearances 45 to 40, uh, including 12 to 13 um, our way in centre and 33-27 around stoppage. Um, and then we get to possessions. Contested possession was even at 146 each. But look at this. Uncontested possessions, 236 to 129. That is 107, 107, Macca, more uncontested possessions in one game of football. I don't think I've ever seen such a big disparity. Well, no, I, I haven't either. But it, it's it's obviously what struck me about the whole game, how 
easy they did it because, and it was it's only due to the fact they kept running and drawing players and then and kicking to the next bloke on his own, and they just did it very good and very very well. And um, but it starts when, it starts from half back, Mac. It starts from that right. lack of pressure off half back. If they get the well, first right, possession off half but half back, and we're just chasing tail the whole time. Back even further than that, Fiend. Hey, back even further. Or even right back into the foot. Even when we went in deep in the forward lines, it was the same when they brought it out from there. But you're quite right, because most of the times we never got down it right down there. But, uh, yeah, I mean, they, they did it as they liked, and that was because our players either weren't smart enough or too, weren't interested enough or weren't, uh, weren't too lazy or too dumb, whatever. But they just they just did it all game that they just... Uh, Kick the ball out to bloke on his own. He would draw a play over the top to the next one, and so on. It just kept kept going that all, the whole game. And, well, and the other thing kept, too was that. Sorry, I was just going. To, oh no, I was just going to say, and they did it with pace as well, rather than just you know. Port of old used to do it pretty slowly, but they did it quite quickly. So, and uh, yeah, they just tore us apart. Well, it was interesting because in the halftime interview with uh, Matty Nix. Um, they said that uh, Nixie said that you know if you let Port get on the outside, um, you uh, you're going to get cut up, and that's exactly what happened. Um, we didn't seem to have any system uh, def- or any defensive action whatsoever. Um, it just seemed to me that we were uh, we were out of gas, in my opinion, just out of gas. Um, so, and the other thing that happened too, Mac is that Mm. they were prepared to change lanes. We just kept going up and down the line, up and down the line. We refused to take the ball into the corridor. When we switched, it was slow. There was no um, options at all presented. It was was a nothing effort after quarter time, in my opinion. Well, one thing that irritates me in the game is when we get a point when I see... Smith is getting bugger all kicks for the game, raw down there so he can have a kick off and run out the square and get another stat. And he did that at least three to four times out of his big tally of, I think it was 11, 12 disposals for the game. And everyone he get just bombing it to the same spot all the time, bombing it. And, uh, you know, just whereas they brought the ball out with system, there's nothing I can say about that we did well on that second half whatsoever, nothing. Well, as I said, they brought out the they brought the ball out the system because they were prepared um, to work harder off half back, and we didn't have any defensive action whatsoever. No frontal pressure whatsoever on them the whole game. Um, as you'd expect, um, marks were heavily in their favour, ninety-seven to forty-eight. Um, marks inside fifty, eighteen to eight, um, and that was that was despite. Darcy Fogarty taking one of the best contested marks I have seen from a Crows player for a very, very long time, Maka. That mark against Tom Jonas and, and subsequent goal, that was a ripper of a mark, wasn't it? It was outstanding because it sort of had got past him and he's actually got a hand on it and turned his body and went with it. And I just thought it was a fantastic mark. As the commentators said, uh, Jonas couldn't have done any more to defend that, not one thing more, um, and uh, it just—it's a very, very good uh, full stop on um, on Darcy's season. I, I just—I continue to be impressed with him, and also um, the back half of the season 
uh, of Riley Thilthorpe in terms of the amount of contested marks that he's been taking, and we'll we'll talk about individuals in a minute. But I thought he also was good um, in that area. Um, so look, uh, tackles were even sixty-eight to seventy. That's because we chased us all game. Tackles inside fifty twenty-one to fifteen probably flattered us in the end. Um, so look, really the stats told Mac. The, the port's ability to get free on the outside and basically run us ragged um, just that that was the story summed it up beautifully I mean and then that's and that would just um, we managed to contain it somewhat in the first half but in the second half it was just rampant just absolutely rampant interesting to break it up in um, you know quarter by quarter and half by half but because I know in the second half it was it was just rampant and we just looked yep. like and every, and everything every time we got one we were under pressure and um, couldn't hit a bloody target. No, it was terrible, absolutely terrible. Yeah, agreed, agreed. All right, let's have a look at some individuals' rules quick. Uh, Rory Laird, um, I thought uh, worked really really hard at the base of packs. He got uh, twenty six disposals, eleven fifteen. Um, uh, I don't know about you, Mac, but it looked to me like Berry was the one that was uh, uh, running with. Um, wines and Laird was left to do a lot of the uh, inside grunt work and I thought he did pretty well. Yeah, well, look, Laird, Laird had 26 disposals with 10 tackles. So, I mean, so he was uh, working hard. Berry, 21 disposals with nine tackles. And those two boys, they can hold their head up high. Um, we got slaughtered in the middle. Not, no, not so much slaughtered in the middle, but around the ground more so. Uh, but look, if we're going to uh, say with the players put gave their heart and soul. Those two could at least put their hands up and say they did. Yeah, yeah. Letty uh, six clearances, six inside fifties, ten score involvement, six intercepts, um, fourteen contested possessions. Uh, I don't think you could ask much more of him um, on the day. Um, as you mentioned, Berry twenty one, eleven and ten got a bit more of it after half time when I think they released him a little bit. Uh, nine tackles, uh, six clearances, three fifty-eight meters gained, which is uh, good for Sam. Um, four inside fifties, a uh, couple of score involvements. Uh, his disposal efficiency was down, which is unfortunate. Uh, Twelve contested possessions. I thought they were probably um, our two most consistent players over the course of the game. Yep, I agree. I agree. The other thing you got to remember with Barry too, he's only a second-year player. Yeah, hundred percent, hundred percent. Yeah, 100%. Um, Geordie Dawson. Uh, now, I want to spend a bit of time talking about Dawson. Um, 22 touches, 14 kicks, 8 handballs, uh, 2 marks, uh, 534 metres gained, but uh, 3 inside 50s, 4 score involvements, um, only went at 54% disposal efficiency, and I think... Oh, if I was Dawson in my exit interview for the season, I'd be saying to Matthew Nix, did you really pay a first-round pick for a quarterback? Because I, I just... If, if that's how we're going to play Jordan Dawson here, um, then we are wasting an asset. And I think teams have worked him out. They've made him more accountable. And, oh, he was tagged, um, right? Yep, Mac he's been tagged. He's been tagged for the back half of the season, Mac, and he does need a little bit of time and space, Jordan. And I, th- I just 
why you don't play him on the wing, I just don't understand. And I know that we've had today injured and all the rest of it, but Josh Worrell has shown that he's more than capable down there. He should have been playing six weeks ago, Josh Worrell. Um, Tom today actually didn't play too badly, I didn't think, um, on the weekend. Um, but I will be really disappointed if we see Dawson continue that role next season. I'll tell you what, you make it very hard for me to criticise you tonight, Fiend, um, because you're spot on again. Um, yeah. he, you're, quite, you're quite right. You don't get a player of his calibre. Uh, look, he used to play a half-back flank, but really he was more centre-half-back when he was playing with the, the Swans. And then they moved him halfway through the season. This is his last year there. He moved, in, moved him onto the wing. And, uh, like, his second half of the season, he was cutting them up with it from the wing because he's just, just got so much talent. And you're quite right. Um, you don't get it. You don't give a first-round draft pick to put him, and then put him down there to, to try and mop up uh, all the mistakes of all the other players down there. They, they've got to grow and become accountable for their own positions um, rather than him be a, be a prop. So he's meant to be a key player for us. I mean, and, for example, when we beat Port the first time, he was up in our forward line and he kicking the winning goal. So to give a good example of it, um, yep. we, he has to be on the wing. He has to be on the wing. There's no doubt about yep. it. Even, sometimes even in the middle if necessary. But you're not going to put him down that right down on the last line of defences, which is what we've been doing. And that just says that um, our other players are playing so poorly or, or maybe the players up ahead of them are playing so poorly that that's why they're putting him down there. But that, we're never going to go anywhere if we do that. No. And a couple of players, uh, people on the chat make a good point, and I agree. Uh, he's getting beat up down back. He has to stand in front of packs and get jumped on and all the rest of it. That's not the type of player he is. And, um, you know, he doesn't lack courage, but uh, uh, he's, he's, he's supposed to be the silk, Mac. He's yep. supposed to be the silk, not the workhorse. And yep. uh, just been poorly used, in my opinion, and has uh, had a really good season. Um, but I'll be disappointed in Matthew Nix and the selection committee if that's how they intend to use him when we're moving up the ladder. Um, we've talked about Riley O'Brien. Harry Schomburg disappointed me because he started off really well um, and then fell in a hole after quarter time or half time in particular. Had 18 touches, 10 and 8, um, 297 metres gained. I really hope that Harry has a big off season because he needs to get fitter. He needs a harder body, um, and if he if he does those two things, that'll complement his skills. He'll find he's got a little bit more time and space because at the moment he is just getting swallowed up when the when the pressure valve increases. Yeah, uh, look, I, I I thought he started extremely well. I thought he was in for a big one, but of course uh, after half time, nobody had a big one. So uh, I think he just went went into the pack with all the others, but. Uh, well, I no, think see, I think you're letting him off a bit lightly there because he was intrinsic. He was integral to our midfield, and our midfield got slaughtered. So he's he's in that group of players that is allowing Port that easy transition. Well, you're and to right. me, that's fitness and that's hardness and concentration. Oh, he certainly got he certainly got to get a lot fitter. He's definitely carrying a lot of puppy fat on him. Yep, yep. It doesn't look like he's doing anywhere near enough work in the gym. Um, hopefully Darren Burgess can get hold of him, but the the lad's got to commit, um, you know, to wanting to do that. He's probably had a fair amount of his football life relying on his natural ability, which is uh, huge in my opinion. 
Um, but uh, at AFL level, you can't rest on your laurels um, unless you're Gary Ablett. So um, Harry needs to have a, uh, a good think about his career over the off-season and really commit to um, to uh, turning himself into a quality AFL footballer because there's definitely one there, Mac, in my opinion. I agree. I agree. Speaking of uh, AFL players, Jake Saligo... Um, Finished off the season really well. 18 touches, 12 and 6. Um, four tackles, 300 metres gain, four clearances as well. Um, he had two inside 50s, two score involvements, four intercepts, uh, 10 contested possessions. Um, for a first-year player, he's probably going to be unlucky to miss out on a Rising Star nomination, but his body of work this year has been uh, the equal of any first-year player that we've had on our list for a while, I think. No doubt about that. I, I think he's. You look at him, and this. I mean, there's not that much of him at the moment. His uh, his body is not that of an AFL player, but he plays like an AFL player. And he's tough. He's hard. He's fast. He keeps running all day, and he pulls off some miraculous passes under uh, under enormous pressure with with either foot or by hand. I, I just think that he is going to be. A very, very, very good player for us. You know, not just a, an ordinary player, but top top echelon type. He's Mate, just... that little step that he put on, that little step that he put on, um, oh, I forget who it was, might have been Wines, uh, in traffic, um, was just a thing of beauty. Um, he's so good in traffic, he's unflappable. Um, he doesn't get tackled much in close. He's, he's um, quite agile and very composed, and I can't wait to see what Jake brings over the next couple of seasons as his body matures, um, and because uh, he's, he's got a lot of really and not only his composure and his skill set, but also his endurance. Macker, um, he puts a bit more beef on, and uh, he's going to be some player, I believe. Yeah, love him. I think he's great. Uh, Mitch Hinge had a meh sort of game. Um, I, I see Mitch Hinge is the player that I think should be swapped with Geordie Dawson. Uh, I Absolutely. don't know why. I don't know why they have persisted in playing Mitch Hinge higher and Geordie Dawson back. I really don't understand it. Hinge is probably stronger in the air. Um, he's got a good kick. He's a bit harder, so he's better probably defensively than Dawson. I've never been able to understand why those two are playing the opposite roles than what they should be. Well, you're certainly not on your own in that respect. I, I, I've always thought the same, and I know that you, if you look at Twitter, so many people think the same thing as well, that it's the wrong way around, yeah. absolutely the wrong it's way a, around. It's a question I'd really like to ask Matthew Nix because I, I really just don't understand it. Anyway, uh, Betty Keyes um, has it's really come back to the pack, hasn't he, Ben? Um you know, we've sung his praises over the course of his time at Adelaide because of his hard efforts and his gut running and all the rest of it. Um, but, gee, Mac, um, I don't know how much we can cop of his just his terrible skills. <laughs> well, you know, I, as I said, I've seen under 10 kick better than him. Um, look, uh if we want to do, if we are serious about trading this year, if you have a look at what Port have done in the past for trading, they send Wingard on his way when he was in their better players, 
and they they traded him. Um, uh, Ryan Bur- uh, Burton, they they traded him when he was going. You know, a, a very very good young player. They're not frightened to get rid of they, to get what they want. They haven't been frightened to part with players that can actually get the ball and play well. And Hang on. Keys isn't in that. Keys isn't in that class. Oh look, he had look, he had a very good first half of the season. I mean, no, he, Mac, where, no, Mac. Where, where no. he does it? You're, no. you're comparing you're comparing Ben Keys to Chad Wingard, really? Not no. Really? Let me finish. Can I can I finish? Maybe Keys was maybe <laughs> Keys, was, Keys was, was playing midfield and uh, he was getting a lot of the ball and a lot of the possession. Not necessarily sweet kicks, but he was getting a lot of the ball. They moved him to a half-forward flank, and he had one good game there. And so they thought, oh, we've got a half-forward flank that can kick goals. No, we haven't. We've got to, all we've done is take him out in the midfield and make him useless on a half-forward flank. That's what happened. And if you get, so if you go compare his stats for the first half of the year and then compare them... Uh, <laughs> somebody's saying I'm on the vino and the cones. Um, but I, I, you would get something as a trade. And for him, there's no doubt about that. I, I'll be quite happy to trade. That's what I'm, where I'm going to. I, I don't think we get. I don't think we get any value for Ben Keys. I don't know. Don't forget. Let's let's, let's 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 not forget. He was discarded by Brisbane. We picked him up as a delicit free agent. Um, I think we'd be lucky to get a third rounder for him. To be honest. Well, if you only get that, well, then there's no point. But. Uh, I'll just see, not pass him up with another player and get a second round. But look, we're going to have to do something, Wayne. Because if, well, yeah, if yeah, we... yeah. And uh, no, I, I'm not. I'm not saying we don't need to t- turn a few over. But I'm just talking about Ben Keys. Um, I think Ben Keys will end up depth in our squad um, because he can come in and give you a hundred and ten percent effort. Um, but I think as other players come through, uh, he will be pushed out of our best twenty-two. Um, uh, and even you know, if we're looking for someone to replace him on a half forward flank, you've only probably got to look at Rory Sloan coming back next year. He'll probably have first dibs at that role. So anyway, um, let's move yeah. on. Riley Thilthorpe, uh, well, as I mentioned, sorry, gone, Mac. I was going to say, yeah, Riley Thilthorpe. I like this game actually. Um, I thought that. Uh, he took some very well. He took five marks for the, for the game, and I think that every one of them was a very good mark. And uh, and some some uh, under uh, quite uh, a lot of physical pressure. Um, and some of his uh, pickups off the ground were ex- excellent as well. He, he's got he's got great skills, and I think he's going to do, next year. He's going to be better again, and the year after that, he'll be better again. He's one of these uh, players that just the more he plays, the better he'll get. That's what I think, anyhow. Well, like any tool. I mean that's that's you've described just about every tool in the competition. Yep. So the people that went early on Riley Thilthorpe just needed to cool their heels because, uh, and let's not forget that Riley has had to do a little bit of work on his um, the mental side of his game as we spoke about last week. Um, but good on him for doing so. Um, look, Chase Jones. Uh, let, let me just highlight something before we continue. We only had one, two, three, four. We only had six players on the ground with more than ten, with ten or more kicks for the game. Six players, Macca, with ten or more kicks for the game. 
I was going to raise that thing, yeah, that uh, so many players got so few kicks. Um, and it, that, that's why there's only a very few players can uh, hold their head up high in this yeah. game for us. Yeah. Now, Chase Jones, you're talking about trading. Uh, this this lad, to me, is very, very tradable. Uh, 12 disposals, 8 and 4, um, 310 metres gained. Um uh, had three inside 50s, three score involvements, f- went at 58%, eight contested possessions. To me, Chase is an almost player, Mac, um, but he lacks spatial awareness, um, or he seems to anyway. Uh, he lacks composure at times. Uh, he appears to have good disposal, but his, dispi- his decision-making is quite poor. Um, I would be trying to see if we could grab a late second rounder for Chase. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the type of player I'm talking about. Um, not essential to our team. Uh, some of these years, I think he's going to be a turner game for the club. Um, it's the Tasmanian DMAC. Uh, look, but he is tradable. I agree with you. And I, we somehow, you know, we're going after Rankin, but it's not just ranking we need. We need a bloody good midfielder, I think. We really do. Yeah, well, that's, I don't want to talk too much about trading. I just We're talking about individual players, Mac. Um, yeah. But I'm Jones, talking about he, he, one you could use, yeah. Yeah, I mean, Jones needed to be part of our midfield mix by now. He's played 58 games. Um, I think we've seen enough. Um, and, uh, you know, he's, an, he's not a bad running defender um, shows flashes but doesn't get enough of it on the wing um, I like his hardness um, there are things about Chase that I do like but I worry about his his awareness and his decision making and after 58 games um, oh, I just I don't think it's the kind of play that we need um, Brody Smith um, gee whiz um, I think I think Brody has suffered from his concussions, Mac. I think that last last concussion that Brody got has uh, has really had a big impact. Well, I don't know if we get anything for trading him, but I would certainly trade him um, because at the moment he is playing so poorly on that half back flank. He had twelve possessions for the game. Somebody in the chat said that he that eight of those were kick off and points, and I know that he had quite a few. So that means if, if that's right, he's hurt four kicks for the whole bloody game and the ball's down, he's in nearly all the bloody game. So, uh, and and I, I I can't remember doing a kick that hit a chest. So um, I, in, I reckon about the last four or five games in particular, he's just been so poor. Well, yeah, one tackle you had. Um, he makes me just about one when I see him at the moment. He's just doing nothing, doing nothing. He's yeah, and unfortunately, look, we've got to have a look at our balance down back, and Brody represents um, someone who's supposed to be a running halfbacker, so he's supposed to be, you know, a, a, a key part of our transition uh, play out of defence, but he's just not offering that at the moment. Um, he doesn't offer a lot defensively, like, you know, he, he tries and all the rest of it, but uh, a couple of times I saw him um, shy away from contests um, and I think that's 
uh, concussion related. Um, he's never been a good short kick. He's always been a bomb down the line kick. His kickouts are always long and to the right, and it drives me yep. insane. Always, yep. always long and to the right, drives me absolutely nuts. It really does. Uh, I don't know how. I don't know. I don't know how we can't change up our kickout strategy. I really don't. Um, but you know, I think Smithers has still got a couple of years left in his contract, hasn't he? I have no idea. I have no idea, but. Um... Uh, you know, if I remember rightly, when Port Platt traded those two players I mentioned before, they were under contract. Oh, I'm not saying that. that's. I'm not saying it's a problem. I'm just saying yeah. that I don't think. I can't see Brody Smith being in our best twenty-two for the next two years. I mean, he's barely there now. Probably not. Um, you know. So, uh, and I think it. I think it affects our balance down back um, when you've got Dawson, Dude, Parnell, um, and. Um, Smith, all running halfbacks. Um, I, something's got to give there. It's not the right balance. Anyway, um, Geordie Butts. I mean, Charlie didn't get off the train too much, so I suppose he did all right. Ned McHenry, um, another one. I have really enjoyed Ned's intensity and his effort and his work rate. But I'm prepared to say, Macca, that he's not an AFL footballer. It's certainly not. Not certainly not in the game that he played on the weekend. No. no where do you play game. him? Uh, where do you play him? Uh, you can't play him in the middle. You can't play him on a wing, and you can't play him in the forward line because he's not a goal kicker. So, as Rabbit says, you play him in the SANFL because I, he's not. Unfortunately, like. I love I love the kid's ethic. I like, and I find it really hard to be critical of Ned because he tries so hard and he works so hard, but it's all effort and no reward. And uh, there's no um, like there's no there's no reward for all his effort because it's just a big bundle of effort. There's nothing really that uh, stands out as a weapon apart from his ability to harass. And it's just not enough. Yeah, look, I agree with you. Uh, you know, coach loves him. Um, that, that's a, a fact. Um, he's look. He has played a couple of decent games this year, but uh, if, they, if we could go rely on McHenry's and, and Joneses and players like that for the next few years, well, then we're not going to go too far, are we? I mean, GP asks, would he be better in a better team? Uh, I, I just ask the question again. Like, where do you play him? Where where would you play him in a better team? You know, it uh, you can't ignore his size, and there aren't many short players that that play well. But those that do uh, have weapons. Caleb Daniel is a great distributor off halfback. You know, you've got small forwards that know where the goals are. Like, look at Jamie Elliott today. Um, you couldn't imagine Ned McHenry doing something like that. And I know they're at different stages of their career, but I can't see Ned having that sort of play in him. Um, I, I just... I, I Unfortunately, I, I mean... I, I love effort, and I love Ned's effort, but and I, so I hate to be critical, but I just don't see it. Well, the interesting thing about both him, him and Jones is that they were both midfielders when they played as uh, young young lads, and uh, not not 
uh, forward pockets and halfback flankers and whatever. Um, so and McHenry was actually a, a midfielder uh, as a youngster. So yeah, I know he played really, with Sam Walsh, and that's why he was rated highly because they had a good midfield. Mm, but um, I don't think we've ever, have we ever tried him in the midfield. Not at AFL level. Uh, there was a couple of games where he and Chase were doing quite well in the mids in SANFL level. Um, but, you know. I don't think it would hurt just to put pop him in. If you're going to play him, I mean, this year's over now. But he would have, you know, if I was a coach, I would have tried him out there just to see if he if he did it. I mean, he, he was a good midfielder as a junior. And uh, just to see if he could, he could actually get the ball. Well, then I think you need to play him for half a season in the SANFL and see if he can get consistently 25-plus disposals, effective disposals. Yeah. I don't comment. think you do it at AFL level. Uh, I think if, if you want to reinvent him as a midfielder, and I'm not seeing it, Mac, to be honest with you, uh, but if, you're honest, if you want to try him as a midfielder, uh, then he's got, to, he's got to do it in the SANFL consistently to even, to even be considered. Um, I, no. I just... I just don't think he's quite there, unfortunately. No, he probably isn't. Um, Tex, a lot of people were critical of Tex's game. I didn't think it was terrible. I think uh, he was a victim of some pretty poor forward 50 entries, but he tried to get himself into the game, worked himself up the ground and took a couple of really good um, contested marks, I thought. Uh, so it definitely wasn't our worst, but obviously only uh, hit the scoreboard late with uh, a bit of a gift. So um, certainly wasn't influential, but I didn't think he was our worst. I agree. Um, Josh Worrell continued to show a little bit. Um, got given a fairly big task on Gray for a lot of the game and didn't disgrace himself. Gray, obviously, you know, at the end of his career, but um, I still have to ask the question, what did Josh have to do to get picked early on? Yeah, fair comment too, because he's, he's actually played... Somebody said Worrell was a tick, and I agree. I, I, I'd give him a tick for his game because... He's playing on a very good play with the ball coming down there a hundred times more than anywhere else. Um, so I, I thought Worrell, did, yeah, he done a pretty good job, and he doesn't look uncomfortable there, Feeney, and he doesn't panic either. He looks quite. And I'm telling you what, I'm telling you what, there's a bit of young Gary Ayres about uh, Worrell, about his face. He's got that big square jaw and the uh, flowing mullet going. You have a look next time. There was a bit of a close up of him, and I thought, oh, shit, that's Gary Ayres. <laughs> If he turns out like Gary is, I won't mind that at all. Well, I'm going to say as a player, yes, but not so much in the looks department. <laughs> um, Tom Duday, I thought was okay early, and then like everyone else, just sort of fell away. Um, I think will obviously uh, benefit from the off season. Um, Tom, oh, I thought Tom started well, and then I thought he's in for a good game, but no, he wasn't. He uh, after that, you know, and in fairness to the guys down back, with the way the ball was coming in there, very, very hard. Very, very hard indeed. Yeah, yeah. Um, would you put him on the trade table, Mac? I would, and I know that I'm going to get crucified for saying it, uh, but he has got status out there. Uh, he hasn't had a great year, and but by the same token, he would he would command a good trade pick. And uh, now, I, I tell it, you who shits. I tell you who shits me is Razor in the chat every time we talk about trading someone. Now, Razor, I'm sure you want to get good players into the club. I'm just wondering what you think we have to give up to get them. Yeah, and I support you on that, Ben, because 
if you look at what we've got to trade with, we've got pick five, and I think it's pick 23 after that, which will probably, both of those will probably blow out a little bit. And the next pick after that is pick 77. So we don't have trade cap, a lot of trade capital yet. We want to get good players into the club. And you, to get good players in the club, you have to give good players. We're going to be actually trading out some very second-rate players and we'll get some very, uh, we'll probably get quite a few yeah. uh, poorish picks for them. But if you want to get a decent draft pick and so you can chase a, de- a decent player, you've got to have the trade capital to do it. And, um, you know, you can say, you know, I'll, I'll trade Miller. But at the moment, what would you get for Miller? Not too much. Not too much. Yeah. And I think that's... that's um uh, people need to be quiet about Brennan Cox too. He's not coming in. Um, we'll wait until he's a free agent. Um, you know, this is a commentary. I, I'm a fan of Tom today. I actually um, was defending him when a couple of other people um, were, you know, smashing into him, basically. Um, but uh, when I look at what sort of trade capital we've got, um, he strikes me as someone who who is a quality player that plays in a position that is probably uh, expendable, um, and that we've got a bit of cover for. So um, you know, I certainly wouldn't be uh, wouldn't be uh, disappointed if Tom stayed with the club because he's an excellent player. Um, but if we're talking about trying to get um, good players in positions that we need uh, into the club, then Tom is the type of player I think that might be bandied around. Yeah, and um, I understand why people out there don't like to hear about good players being traded out. But the whole point is, if you want to get a good player into the club, you're going to have to give something. Now, it might not be due date, right. but we're saying we're saying that he's one that has got trade capital, and the club might say, "Well, no, we don't want to get rid of him." But there's going to be have to be a player of that type of standard to get it if you're going to get a decent uh, player back into the club. Yeah. Uh, Lockie Murphy, um, you know, put him in the Ned McHenry basket, in my opinion. Oh, basically, uh, ditto uh, with Lockie Murphy. Yeah, look, he does some nice things on occasions, but not enough of them. That's a, that's a trouble. Uh, yeah, yeah, Murphy was there. Yeah. Sums Wayne, it up. Wayne, Wayne Miller, uh, three kicks for the game. Um. I don't know what to say. I've, do you know, Mac? I've never really been a massive Miller fan. Uh, I've had arguments on Big Footy with people about Miller early in his career. Um, I know he's got good agility uh, when he's on song. Um, you know, he can be flashy. I don't think he's a player that can be relied upon. Um, I just, I just feel like. Um, He's a, again a, a downhill skier and he's very soft. I agree with Davo in the chat. Um, you know, I, I just don't think he's a reliable player. I, I don't see him having a successful long term AFL career. I think he probably looks fantastic on the track, uh, Mac, silky, and all the rest of it on the track. Uh, but in the in the uh, in the clinches in a tough AFL game, he's just nowhere. Well, the only place he's ever looked like a good AFL player to me is when he's played on a half-back flank. When um, he had one particular year where he had a very good year on a half-back flank. In about six apart- weeks. About six weeks, that was. Yeah, yep. Yeah. But, but apart from that, 
He's done nothing. I mean, really hasn't done very much at all. He's not has looked. He's looked very poor when he's been playing on a wing. He's, he's looked very poor when he's playing up forward. Um, he doesn't seem to like physical con- uh, contest very much. Um, he's got silky skills, but that doesn't help if you haven't got the ball. Um, yep. So uh, at the moment, I, I, I thought he, his game was terrible, really terrible. In fact, he hasn't really played a good game since he's come back into the side. Um, and look, no, he's and been gifted he a season. He's been gifted a season, and that really annoys me because it, it's at the expense of one or two others that probably could have done with twenty games or fifteen games of AFL football. Yeah, that's true. And, and look, <clears> I do agree with the comment. Look, he's he's had a lot of injury, and he might be better next year. But um, gee, he, I think he's been lucky to play a lot of the games that he has this year. Yeah. Um, Darcy Fogarty only the seven touches, but made him count three goals too. He didn't get a lot of good service, um, but uh, just continued his good run in the second half of the year and looking forward to what he brings next year. Patrick Parnell, Mac? Well, I think he does okay. Um, uh, you know, I don't think he's doing any worse than he's his predecessor. Bloody, yeah, but he's another pint-sized, lightweight player, and to be honest with you, he turns the ball over a bloody lot. Yeah, look, um, that's, that's one of the problems we do. We do have too many small players. Um, but he didn't know. He didn't have a good game. I agree with that. Um, I don't know. Um, I, I would like to see taller players than that in our side because we are, overall, we're a pretty short side. Our use of the mid-season draft in the last two years has been horrific. Absolutely horrific. I agree with you. Absolutely. I mean, the word that we, you know, the the player that we took in the mid-season draft this year, um, you know, um, he's never going to play an AFL game for us. We just wasted a no. pick. No. No. It, it's two wasted picks. And, we, and there were players there that we could have taken that would have been far better. Anyway. Uh, Benny Davis did more than Wayne Miller in about 10 minutes of football. Uh, only got five kicks. Uh, poor up, Benny. Um, might have been his last game for the club, I think. I think it will be his last. He, look, he's been there six years. Um, only player, and he's played a handful of games. Reminds me of the Matthew Smith who played for the Crows, or didn't play for the Crows, six years on our list and never played one game. I, yeah. I think six years is, is long enough. It's long enough. Yeah, I think he. I know you're not a big G for him. I think he um, he could have actually had an AFL career at another club. I think another club may have found a spot for him, maybe as a halfback flanker or a winger or something like that. I don't think he got served particularly well by selection with us. Um, but uh, yeah, anyway, I, I no argument that. Uh, I mean, he was last on this year, and I think he'll be first off. Uh, Nick Murray uh, didn't do a lot with it except took a contender for Mark of the Week and uh, showed a little bit in ruck and up forward. Is he is he a smoky for our ruck forward position with Phil Thorpe being our first ruck, Mac? Uh, possible. possible. Um, he's he's not the most skilled player that's going around, but he's a very aggressive, strong player. Um, at times I like him, and at other times I think, God, why have we got him? So you know, I have mixed feelings on it. But um, 
Yes, yeah, so they say he would serve serviceable, and one thing you do know about him, he will always give a hundred percent. So you might be right, Clint. He might be handy in that respect. He certainly offers a lot more aggression aerially than Elliot Himmelberg. Oh, I like his aggression. Um, he'd need a fair bit of uh, honing, but uh, <laughs> I'm a bit of oh, a fan yeah. of uh, I'm a bit of fan of Murray because he's an old-fashioned footballer who just goes out and kills people. Um, and that's not a bad thing. He's raw as though, and he needs a. Oh, it's very um, good. Yeah. Hello. You there, He's Yeah, he just dropped away there for a minute. Oh, okay. Um. Right. Who's next? He's he, raw, Maka, but. Uh, I don't mind someone, but he, as long as he keeps taking out opposition players rather than ours, that'll be fine. Uh, and Jimmy Rowe, we've talked about Rowe. <coughs> um, um, another waste, waste um, in my opinion, and uh, needs to be delisted or got rid of or something or other. Uh, there's talk about the dogs wanting him. I don't know why they'd want him. Uh, I don't know why they any club would want him. I don't know what he brings. They can have him. Well, I don't know what he brings. Be honest. Uh, look. Um, no, 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 no. Don't even try to defend him, Mac. What does he bring? Nothing. I mean, it, it's not his fault. I mean, he was, they, they, they drafted him. They drafted him. He wasn't all that bad last year, but he's been shown up this year, and um, yeah, he doesn't bring enough. No. He brings no defensive pressure. He brings no. Uh, he hasn't hit the scoreboard. We need like, you know, look at how many goals Tyson Stengel has kicked this year for Geelong. And fair enough, he's got more service, but that's what Jimmy Rowe was supposed to be replacing. You know, we needed, we needed uh, twenty-five to thirty goals. Yeah, but I've never ever seen him played in the forward pocket yet, though, Fee. No, because he, uh, we've got this. Uh, We've got this uh, tactic of playing our half forwards and our small forwards up high to compress the midfield um, because we're all around contest and pressure around the ball. That's the problem. You know, maybe if you played James Rowe as a bona fide forward pocket and said don't leave the 50, then we might get some goals out of him. But I still contend that even with that, uh, he fails uh, with defensive pressure. Well, I watched him play in the, the Sandford with the West Torrens, and, and look, he used to play around the goals, and he was a very good player, and um, he used to read it beautifully off hands, etc. But he doesn't play that position in the AFL, and uh, and where he's played, he, well, he doesn't work. It doesn't work for him. No, um, but even then, Mac, even like I said, even if we did play a similar game style, he still offers nothing defensively. Not no no that's we, probably the we, very big we, that is the we have a massive now. we have a massive problem. How many times this year have we got destroyed by a, a rebounding halfback? <laughs> I, I, I count five or six times. That, I count five or t- six times that we've got destroyed from rebounding halfback, um, and. James Rowe, along with McHenry and, and Murphy, are, are complicit in that. They don't offer enough in the way of de- frontal defensive pressure. 
Yeah, look, look, you're, you're totally right. It's hard. You can't argue about that. And the, but I still think that his his only chance he was ever going to succeed at AFL level was to be played in a forward pocket and stay in the forward pocket. But that's not how they played him, and and that's, I don't think it's worked out for him at all. But you know, we haven't had it. We don't have a clunking forward. It's, it's like, and look, we remember Mac. We went through this. Um, earlier in the season and, and last year about analysing our forward 50 entries and nothing really has changed. When we are under pressure in the midfield, our forward 50 entries start from too far back and they are far too shallow. So we are contesting marks 45 metres out from goal um, and we're contesting those marks with players that aren't suited to that type of delivery and we've got no one at their feet. So we are, we leave ourselves so vulnerable because we're always one kick short on transition, and the reason we're one kick short on transition is because we don't have enough runners. Yeah, and, and, and the only way that Nix has got to overcome that is by playing this down the line football and hope for contest after contest after contest. That's why we play it. As soon as we open up the ground, we get exposed, and we get exposed for a lack of pace. And a lack of defensive work rate, you know, and that's well, that's the biggest problem that we've got to solve. I think is our ability to fit, to spread defensively and to cover uh, behind the ball a little bit better, and our ability to be able to work the ball um, more proactively off halfback when we've got it, rather than just this kicking down the line shit. Oh, that is one of one of our. Well, we've been talking about that ever since we've been doing the. I've been on the cast. The same problem. Yep, yep, never been any different. So, you know, if if they want to get real about it, there's some decisions they have to make. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm very happy for the club to pursue Rankin, but, Jesus, we desperately need some class through the midfield. Desperately, yep. desperately, desperately need some class through the midfield. Now, I don't know whether any of that's available on the trade table this year. Um, the only real midfielder of note that I've seen is Dunkley and Hopper are the two that are sort of talked about. Um, but yeah. unless we've got something uh, up our sleeve, um, you know, it doesn't sound like Jason Horn francis is going to uh, be on the table. And uh, I don't know how we get Rankin and Horn francis anyway. Um, so uh, that means we're going to have to go to draft. Um, and we don't yeah, have a good yeah. record at the draft. <laughs> It isn't Dunkley a free agent? Yeah, but he's going to port. Well, I think he is because we did. We were talk, we were quite into him at one stage, and when he said eight hundred grand, we ran away. Yeah, well, I don't think he's an eight hundred thousand dollar player, do you? Uh, yeah, I think he is. You reckon Dunkley's an eight hundred thousand dollar player? He's a very good player. Very good player. Just don't he think don't, he offers the any- class that we need, mate. Um, somebody said he's vanilla. He's a little bit vanilla. I do agree with that. But he get he's good at clearances. Um, he's also very good around the ground. He particularly around the ground. He gets a lot of the ball. Um, um and he's very well. He's a bit, quite a good size. He's that bigger mid midfielder, midfielder, and he takes very good overhead marks as well. No, he's a good player, but um, maybe not the right fit. But he would certainly be better than what we've got. But yeah, anyhow, I don't want to drag on this discussion too long, 
but I will say that um, we're, you know, we've become better at um, uh, picking up players that want to come home. Geordie Dawson, obviously, we've uh, got you know probably front running for Isaac Rankin, etc. But yep. maybe it's time with the cap that space that we clearly must have. Maybe it's time that we actually get a little bit more proactive and try to prize a good midfielder out with a godfather offer. Yep, I you agree. Know, um, you know, I, I'm I'm happy to pay overs for a top top quality twenty five year old mid um, that isn't South Australian that doesn't necessarily hasn't ever thought about coming to Adelaide, but is we give them an offer that's too good to refuse. Uh, you know, say say I'm not. I'm just picking a name off the top of my head. Tim Taranto, for example. You know that kind of a player who's on the cusp of being a really good player, um, and just putting an offer in front of him that he can't refuse. Tom Green. Yeah, yeah. I think I think that uh, Taranto's already got that sort of offer from a lot of the Victorian clubs. So I don't think there's any yeah, chance. No. So, no, no, no. But that's what I'm saying. You've got to outbid these these clubs by a fair way if Taranto's got an offer of 800 on the table from a Victorian club then we need to put 1.1 in front of him that's what we're going to have to do Mac if we're not going to um, if we're not going to rely on the draft then the only other way we're going to do it because there aren't any fantastic South Australian midfielders running around at the moment uh um I think Philippou um, in the draft... No, I'm not be, talking about the draft. I'm talking about running around at the moment. You don't know what Philippou's going to be. I agree with you. Philippou looks a really likely type. But you don't know what Philippou's going to be. I'm talking about a bona fide, certified 25-year-old yeah, midfielder who is on the cusp or has reached um, you know, that classy level. Well, that's exactly what we do need. Um, and you're going to have know to what pay name. for that. And I agree with you. And I'm quite happy to do exactly what you said, to pay over and above. Um, I don't know who, who it would be, but, um, yeah, I, I hope that they are doing that because we do have a lot of cap space. We've got enough players. We've got enough cap space to bring in rank and, and another top player. Um, so I just hope we are. Well, otherwise it's going to be quite a long, slow rebuild because you are looking at, you know, blokes like Sam Philippou, who looks looks pretty good. Uh, you may be looking at getting a second-year Jason Horn francis back next year if things don't work out at North, and that's probably only a 40-60 chance now. Um, you know, we're looking at, you know, uh, um, organic growth from our own midfield stocks. Um, but, you know... We've had so many misses with midfielders. Chase Jones, Demick Henry, you know, Lukey Pedler is not coming on. Um, you know, we don't have a lot of good midfield stocks that are first-round first picks. And no, we need maybe a we just need to we go and pick a, one off. We do need a classy one. Yeah. Sorry, Matthias Philippi, not Sam. My mistake. Um, anyway. All right. Well, look, Mac, uh, we might just leave it up there um the um the best player? trade uh, yeah let's go through our best players um just to finish Very up, hard. just bear with just hang on a second i will find it i forgot to bring it up 
Uh, go ahead. Well, look, and I'm not, and I'm not set in stone in any of these. So um, it was very, very, very hard. So I gave um, five to Led. Uh, I gave four to Fogarty. He kicked four goals on very limited chances. I gave three to Saligo, who I thought was excellent. Two to O'Brien, who I thought really busted his guts in the rut. And I tossed up between Barry or Phil Fork for the one point. Um, and I'm just going to be go Avant Garde and I'll give one point to Phil Fork. Avant Garde, Mac. Yeah. Avant Garde, there's a word. Um, yeah, all right. Now, I haven't even thought much about mine. Let me have a think about it. I reckon Rory Laird probably uh, was my best with five. Um, I'm going to go Barry with four. I'm going to go Darcy for three. Mm-hmm. Oh, then it gets hard, doesn't it? Yeah, it was hard. Saligo? It's hard. Yeah, probably Saligo for two and probably... Um, oh, look, I'm going to give Riley O'Brien one because he just, as yeah. you say, he didn't stop trying. Yeah, I think that's fair. But very, very hard. Very, very hard this week. <clears throat> it was. Now, Matt... That brings us to the end, <coughs> because my voice is giving out, apart from yep. a lot of other things. Um, next week, we're going to have a, um, a podcast just to preview the final series. At the same time, we'll also announce the winner of our tipping competition and our fantasy footy competition. Uh, thanks for Razor and to 1990 Crow for running those two. Um, we'll have those in uh, next week. Um and then that'll probably do us until grand final week. So we might have a couple of weeks off, I reckon, until grand final week. Preview yep. grand final, and then of course we'll do our normal trade and uh, trade and uh, draft things as they come through. So we'll be on again next week, um, and we'll wind up all the bits and pieces. Uh, announce our Crowcast best and fairest, and the People's Choice best and fairest. Um, so that'll be a, a bit of housekeeping to do next week, mate. Should be a good one. And we'll preview the final series as well. Sounds good to me, Fane. In the meantime, thanks to everyone who's joined us on Discord and YouTube, obviously. And thanks also for um, uh, those of you who have supported us on Patreon. Um, couldn't do it without all your assistance. And it's been fantastic. I just want to comment, uh, Macca, that... Um, our, our Discord membership now is up to 290, which is fantastic. Um, our Excellent. YouTube subscriptions are over 500, which is great. If you are listening on YouTube and you haven't subscribed yet, it would really help us if you would because I'd like to get it to 1,000 so that we can actually start doing some community stuff on YouTube. Um, so, yeah, uh, another year of great growth uh, for the Crowcast in a year that hasn't been all that exciting for the Crows themselves so I do appreciate everyone who has given us their support uh, the season's not over of course we will see you again next week at the same time 
Until then, take care, everyone. Stay safe. Thanks, Macker, again, and we'll see you next week. Yep. Good night, all.